Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 20. We're going to be joining you every week to talk IT career, news, and opinions based on our points of view. I'm your host, John White, at vjourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at networknerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? I'm doing great, John. We want to make sure everyone knows that we are both VMware solution engineers looking to bring you the career advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. We hope our discussions will be relevant across disciplines and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. How was that opening for you? I'll tell you what, man. I got the giggles for whatever reason during that intro. But overall, it was good. This is being recorded on Cyber Monday, John. I mean, do you find any good Cyber Monday deals you want to share with the world? Uh, yeah, actually, I, I decided to get a Nook. I'm a little bit uh, late to the game. So I, uh, I have a Nook on the way. I have a Nook on order. Nice. Is that going to go in your breakfast Nook or somewhere else? No, no, it's uh, the thing that I that I use to browse the web, uh, maybe read some books on it. Hey, man, whatever works. Maybe I will uh, take it to the breakfast nook. Who wouldn't want to use their nook in the nook? I can't believe that you're not asking me if I, which nook I got. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> is that a Barnes & Noble nook or is that a Intel nook? No, it's the Intel nook. Oh, man. Sorry. Messed it up. Didn't we have topics this week? <laughs> this is all staying in. I'm going to I'm gonna have a heck of a time editing around all this. <laughs> all right. Let's get to topics. Uh, so this week, we have another career clickbait article. Um, the main article is Four Reasons to Quit Your Job by Jack Welch. Uh, I have no idea why he's writing about business, but we'll find out. Uh, the second uh, topic is a little play on uh, that Jack Welch uh, thesis. Um, he uh, and his wife wrote about this idea of area of destiny. So we're going to dive into that. And then uh, maybe uh, we'll call it a third topic. Can you find your area of destiny? So... Uh, Career clickbait continued. So, um, Nick, let's dive into that first topic. Four reasons to quit your job. This is an actual article, right? Yeah. This is an article written by Jack Welch, who is you know big-time business strategist, written a number of books on business, uh, one called Winning, one called The Real Life MBA, several of those. A lot of good stuff. I actually saw him at an Epicor conference several years ago. Got a copy of the Real Life MBA. Good stuff. So in this particular article, he's talking about what criteria can we use to determine if we've been with a company for too long. I'm sure that a lot of us find ourselves in that state where it's been a few years at company XYZ where we're not necessarily dissatisfied with what we're doing and we, we get kind of complacent. Maybe we're not advancing in the way we want to be, but it's never a bad thing to do some reflection on where you are, you know? And sometimes after a while at a particular place, whether it's a cultural reason or something else, you can get discontent. And this kind of happens gradually, a little bit at a time. You know, you're 
likely not just going to wake up one day after being super happy and decide to quit the next day. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't done that. Have you? Have not. No. It, no, it is. It is something that builds up over time. Absolutely. So here are some questions you can ask yourself, which these are reasons to quit your job. Do you want to go to work every morning? Hmm. Do you want to go to work every morning, John? I do. I do. I'm pretty excited by it. I do too. Sometimes the traffic's murder, especially down the hall. The nine-year-old and around here, it's it can be rough. But uh, you know, you just pay your tolls and, and you get by. But are you excited about it? Are you doing things that are meaningful to you and interesting to you? Are you learning and growing? Hopefully, the answer is yes. But I thought that was a good one to ask yourself. Uh, and what about the next one? Do you enjoy spending time with your coworkers? Hmm. Like by coworkers, we could mean people on the same team or just people that you have to interact with on different teams, maybe on a regular basis. And this could be in person or remote. You know, a lot of companies have remote workers. So maybe you just interact with them and you don't always see them, but you're talking to them, you're corresponding with them. How is that affecting you? We talked about team culture as a reason not to pursue an opportunity in some previous episodes. So that, that can eventually be a reason to make you exit if the team culture goes bad, something like that. <clears throat> what about, does your company help you fulfill your personal mission? And this goes back to that discussion of personal and professional values that we had in, in one of the previous episodes as well, the manager tools lessons. And, you know, are you executing on your personal mission while you're in your professional role? And I would think for a lot of people, maybe that's no, but I bet you have an opinion on this, John. Yeah, I think what's really interesting about these questions is that if you can take them and answer them in the positive, then it's a good reason to stay with a company, right? And it, and you can also use this list as a list of things that you could be looking for in an opportunity to make it a good opportunity for you. You know, is it is pursuing something, you know, exciting to you? Is it interesting, meaningful work? Is it, is this a, a career opportunity that would lead to you learning and growing? Uh, would it be a positive move as far as team culture? Um, you know, is there a personal and professional value match? It, so all of those things can be a guide to what would be a good uh, opportunity for you. And any like severely like negative things, even one, can be like a like enough to poison like an otherwise good opportunity. So I just thought that I would uh, make that observation. Very very interesting questions. Like those a lot actually. I think this is my favorite one. Can you picture yourself at your company in a year? You know, once you get a new job, do you really think about what it will be like one year in? I, I don't think a lot of people have that sort of reflective capability in the beginning. I don't think they're thinking about it that long term. That's just my opinion. But, you know, in the article <clears throat> talks about that you might need a that much time to find a newer, better job at a different company if you decided to move on. I don't necessarily agree that it would take you that long because I think you can short circuit the process and get it faster. But again, you're looking for the right fit regardless of the time that it that it takes you. 
have you, when you first start at a particular company, are you thinking about one year down the road, two years down the road, John? Yeah, I think that I, I think about that, you know, before I joined the company, right? Um, uh, I've, I think I've been fortunate enough to not have to, in this career, uh, take jobs just because I needed something, right? Money was tight and I just needed something to pay the bills. So I've been fortunate not to have to do that. Um, so every job that I've taken, I've always considered, um, am I going to be happy there in a year? Am I going to be happy there in two years and three years? And, and even on that, that three-year mark, if I, I don't think I was going to be happy there for three years, I probably wouldn't take the opportunity, uh, um, you know, and, and I think that's just because, you know, I've had the privilege of not coming from, you know, something that's even more negative. Like if it was, you know, horribly negative and I needed to, to get something, you know, get out of there, then I could definitely see taking an intermediate position. Um, if it was, you know, a step forward. Right. Sure. And, you know, this, Keep in mind, the article here is not posing these questions and suggesting that you should quit the, at the first sign of any kind of discontent because we've already talked about it. There's no perfect job. There's no perfect environment. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have frustrations, but hopefully you won't get to the point where you have more bad days than good days. Absolutely. And I would say like my strong reaction is, you know, I think for the, the IT ops people out there um, who I know there's, there's a bunch of them out there who don't get regular performance reviews, you know, even an annual performance review. What's that? I haven't had one in three or four years, you know, something along those lines. I've seen it before in, in comments and discussions online, people who don't have uh, regular meetings, one-on-one uh, -on -one meetings with their manager um, who are, you know, feel trapped in their, in their jobs. Like, they, you need to go through this assessment and go, oh, these are the things that would be positive for me, you know, and then figure out some personal ones that would also, you know, go along with that. And then I also think, you know, the quit is uh, I'm changing that in my head to get motivated to seek a change, a career change, a job change. Um, because I, I think the, the idea is not oh, hey, I, I don't like this job. I'm going to quit. And then I'm going to start looking for a new one. The, the goal is, and the, or the proper procedure is, um, look for, you know, realize that you need to make a change. Uh, look to make that change. Once you have that better position lined up, then you quit. <laughs> you have that signed offer in your hand. That's the time to give notice. Not once you've realized um, that you're not 100% excited about this position. Absolutely. And I think what you're trying to say, John, is that we should start with the man in the mirror to make that change. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure what reference you're making, but okay. I'll, I'll go along with that. So what do you think? Clickbaity or actually good? I think it's decent. Yeah. I think there's some really good advice there. Um, some really good questions to ask as far as a self-assessment. And um, I think that you know, the challenge is, you know, what else is important to you, right? So these are really good starting questions. And then what are, what are additional criteria can you use to customize this for yourself, right? Are there, are there other things that um, would turn something like extremely negative or, or and maybe that's just getting specific on the personal professional value match, for example, you know, like you could have, I think I've mentioned it before, probably, I couldn't 
uh, work for a tobacco company. Maybe that's, you know, that's just a, a personal like value thing, right? So if everything, everything was great about it, except, oh, it's a tobacco company, like, ah, yeah, nope, still need to make a change. Um, so, you know, all of those, all of those things, like, you know, you need to, to line those up, you know, make it specific to you and, and then, you know, do the, do the self-assessment and then really commit to making that change. Right. Um, get that, get that new job. Right. And don't just be satisfied with things staying the same if they can be better and you actually want them to be better. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what was this uh, recommendation that they made, um, Jack and Susie Welsh, uh, as we transition maybe to the second topic, uh, they talk about this idea of area of destiny. Um, and when you sent it to me, I was like, I don't know what that is. I have no idea what he's talking about. I had to look it up. Um, so maybe you can describe this concept of area of destiny. Sure. So first of all, area of destiny is actually a phrase that Jack and Susie Wiltz borrowed from a pastor at their church, heard it in a sermon. I, you know, I wasn't there. I didn't hear the sermon, but it's a cool phrase. And they were able to apply that to career as really a framework or process that you can go through to zero in on a passion interest that could become your career. And it really is a career assessment process. And we've talked about career iteration and you are constantly assessing yourself when you're looking at new opportunities. But imagine, John, going back to school. You know, most of us in elementary school, we like to draw. So if we draw three circles and make a Venn diagram, three intersecting circles, right? Mm -hmm. And one circle would be the skills you possess. Another circle would be the interests you have. And the third circle would be opportunities that you can either make happen or are in front of you. And the intersection of those three is what we would call your area of destiny. So if you can find that area of destiny, you're essentially finding yourself a good career that you're really going to enjoy and be happy with. Ah, okay. So the overlap of skills, interests, and opportunities. Correct. Uh, that makes sense. Okay. So like my immediate reaction was, you know, I'm suspicious of the word destiny, <laughs> right? Cause I'm, I'm about exerting positive control, you know, in my life. And I think I, I don't, you know, necessarily like a word where the implication is, um, you know, predeterminism. So it doesn't sound like, uh, that is what they're saying here, right? They're just saying, Hey, you know, this is, that where you have skills and interests and opportunities, if you focus there, then you're actually going to be able to make a career um, and one that you'll be excited about and one that you can sustain. So that, that, that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that it was sourced from uh, uh, their pastor at their church. I think I was a little bit worried that it was going to turn into a prosperity gospel thing, um, but it didn't. So I'm, I'm happy about that and thankful for that. Maybe that's just my uh, suspicion of prosperity gospel, but that might be unique to me. Yeah. Like I said, you know, neither of us were there to hear the sermon, so I don't know exactly what the pastor was implying, but I do like the way that they took it and ran with it. But 
I want to I want to take some nuggets out of the real life MBA by Jack and Susie Welch because they have an entire chapter called "What Should I Do with My Life?" You know, I, I don't know about you, listeners, but sometimes I wonder what am I going to be when I grow up. Sometimes I still don't know, but what they say is that. Too many people stay in jobs that they really want to leave, maybe because they're comfortable or they think that there's not another opportunity out there. And I'd like to share a story from the from the book that they gave, a guy named Griff who worked for Hertz. And he was a successful executive, and he wanted to run their new car share service. And this particular person was very energetic. He worked a desk job. He seemed to be just exploding with energy all the time. He was very fit. He did a lot of running, did triathlons and swimming on the weekends. And interestingly enough, even though he got the job and ran that new car share service for a little while, he actually left to pursue work for a fitness brand because that matched more with his interests and something that he was very good at, which was coaching and training people in fitness. And he had to let go of a lot of concerns about salary advancement, he even moved his family 1,500 miles away. But in the end, he was a lot happier and felt like what he was doing matched more with his interests, and he felt like he was meant to do it. And He even felt like it took him too long to find it. Another interesting point that they may hear, John, is that trying different industries or different jobs before settling in on a career trajectory is normal and necessary. I don't necessarily know that that's going to be something that everybody can do. It's just not an option. I, I don't think what's your reaction there. Yeah. I, I think it's completely normal and necessary for people who have um, a lot of privilege in their lives, right? If they have the opportunity and the financial backing to try a bunch of different things um, without a financial impact, um, then, then it's normal and necessary, right? What, what's, What's normal if you don't have that financial cushion is to to kind of do as much planning as you can and then take the thing that that's before you and then um, maybe feel trapped about <laughs> trapped by it and and uh, I really like the their pushback on that right like hey you shouldn't feel trapped in the first choice that you made or the second choice that you made like you should go out and and figure out what it is that you should do and pursue that yeah. Absolutely. So really area of destiny, it begins at the intersection of happiness and capabilities. What do you like to do and what are you really good at? I don't know that a lot of people put those together when they're thinking about a career because what they're really good at may be something that they didn't expect. A lot of people may take a job for expedience uh, because they've the specific field had a number of opportunities. That was just what they were good at in school. So they went with it. And that's that kind of thing happens. Yeah. So I I think it's you know we're back to the Venn diagram, right? And we're we're drawing the first two circles, um, things that you have skills at, and then things that you have an interest in. Um, so it's starting there and figuring out that overlap. Um, uh, you know, I think the my critique there is like you know a lot of times you know, we're going to have a hobby, which is like just, you know, pure entertainment, but we're really good at it. Um, like video games, like, Hey, I'm, I really enjoy playing Fortnite. 
uh, we're probably going to date ourselves uh, in this podcast by mentioning Fortnite. Um, or, so I'll just genericize. I really enjoy playing this video game and uh, I have a lot of skills at it because I've played it, you know, for hundreds of hours. Um, well, that that doesn't mean that there's a lot, a lot of opportunity, but I think that it's a good start to look for those patterns, right? Hey, I really have a lot of skills in this thing and I really enjoy doing it. So um, look for that pattern. And it, it's a really good good place to start. Sure. And sometimes those skills that you gain from hobbies, such as video games, things like that, can actually be something you put on a resume. I remember a post in the Spiceworks community, we'll have to dig it up, that a gentleman wrote about he he did something related to Minecraft. And he was able to list that on his resume and that actually you know, kind of helped him come to the top of a pile uh, as a candidate for a new position. But it, I, th- I thought that was pretty interesting. And what we're really talking about here is meaning, impact, and happiness. So if we start with that skills circle, okay, we're not just talking about things you're good at. We're talking about things you're better at than most people. And that probably narrows it down to be pretty specific, some examples might be, I'm terrific at math when it comes to analyzing costs and profitability of a new enterprise. I'm particularly good at turning complicated scientific concepts into plain English. Or I'm very good at diffusing high-pressure situations. And this may not be something that you actually know yourself. You might have to get it from someone else. You know, Someone you know or work with may have to give you feedback on what they think you're better at than most people. And again, it may surprise you. Some of the examples they gave in the book were very much that way where other people highlighted that the person had this skill that was superior to anyone else they, they knew. But you should really take some time to identify what that is, something that differentiates you. Yeah, I really like that idea of um, using third parties and and taking time, right? Because I, I think that figuring out exactly what it is that we're skilled at uh, might take more time and analysis than we initially realize. Um, I uh, I definitely have noticed that in my personal life, and and you know, going back, I think um, figuring out you know why I enjoyed and was uh, good at certain hobbies helped me to understand things about my professional life as well, you know, skills that I had in my professional life. So yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Covering all areas, anything you do in life, any kind of experience could go in there. So if we move on to the second bubble, we're talking about what do you love to do or look forward to more than anything else? So you could probably make a, rather long list of things you enjoy or really like, but these would be the top couple or top three, you know, you're going to have to narrow it down, but what activities really turn your crank, so to speak, that's, that's probably going to be easier than the, the skills you're better at than most people. I think if I had to make that list, probably be pretty easy to make a list of things you don't enjoy too. (laughs) If we look at that third bubble, the opportunities, uh, the best way to describe that is what industries, companies, or lines of work might exist 
that fit into the intersection of what you are really good at better than most people and what you enjoy. So can you match all three together? They give a pretty good example about a gentleman who studied music theater in college. He, he moved to New York, didn't make it on Broadway. He decided to go back to school and study to be an architect because he liked to draw and he liked to be outside. He had a solid job for about 15 years, but he just wasn't satisfied. He was still doing things to get close to music and singing in his spare time. And his family noticed that his professional life just wasn't filling his emotional cup. And so he used the area of destiny framework and he actually found through some help from his family and coworkers that he was very good at bringing teams together and smoothing out differences. If there was a, a particular difficult client at the office, his boss would assign them to that client and he would be the person that they'd want to spearhead that project because he was so good at it. And it was hard for him to figure it out, but he actually went into musical theater management. He couldn't be someone who was singing necessarily because maybe he wasn't talented enough, but he was able to be around the singing and that contributed to the happiness and really fulfilled him. Now, in his particular case, the change couldn't be instant. Yeah, We don't want you to think that if you were to find your area of destiny or what you think it might be, that that's just something you can instantly jump into. Right, John? Just like quitting your job today and starting to look for a new one. Agreed. Like, I think that if, you know, the more different, you know, the the career is in that intersection, uh, the more different that career is from what you're doing right now, the, the more time it's going to take for that transition and the more willing you have to be maybe to take like a salary cut to make that change. Um, but I think the happiness, um, how happy you are personally, and maybe how happy you make the other people around you uh, can sometimes more than make up for that. Certainly. It, it may take years of planning, you know, to switch careers like that. It could take going back to school, all kinds of different things. But if it's something you really want, then you plan it the right way and you, you figure out how to get there. And it, it may be that you haven't done enough networking to find those opportunities in the, what you think your area of destiny is. So maybe that's part of your plan that you work on. You know, you go to more networking events for this specific industry you think that you're a good fit for. Yeah, that was actually one of my um, critiques and reactions to this, uh, to this idea um, of, hey, you know, just focus, you know, where you have skills and interests and it overlaps with opportunity um, because opportunity, you know, sometimes is like, well, you don't have the contact, so you don't have the opportunity, so you can't work there, even though you have all the skills and all and, and you know, an intense interest. Well, I think that, you know, again, going back to like, I believe in, you know, positive work and, and affecting um, your, you know, career, um, you know, and, and having control over your career, one of the things that you can do is to take steps to increase the amount of opportunity that you are exposed to by, like, as you pointed out, networking within uh, that industry, if it's a, it's a bigger change and you don't necessarily have the contacts, we'll start networking there, um, figuring out what connections you can make and, and, 
exposing yourself, you know, to that industry to increase your opportunity. So, and again, getting back to that Venn diagram, increasing that overlap of your skills and your interest with that third circle, the opportunity. How about once you get there, let's say you achieve your area of destiny, you get that career that meets the intersection of all three you're probably going to be a pretty happy camper to the point where work doesn't seem to be work anymore. And interestingly enough, that's probably not so different from what entrepreneurs do when they decide I'm going to go out on my own. You know, I have this passion, I have this skill and I have this differentiating product or something like that. That's going to hit the market, this opportunity to go out on my own, you know, not unlike Tom Delicati. He, he jumped out there on his own, and th- that's kind of what I thought of when when we were thinking about the area of destiny. He must have done a similar exercise, even though he didn't call it that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's the ideal, although I think that, you know, work stops being work uh, can be a myth, <laughs> and it's an ideal, right? Because I, I really, you know, targeted this career path and this journey, and and work is still work, right? You still need to interact with other people. You know, there's delays. There's people with prickly personalities. Sometimes I'm the one with a prickly personality and people don't enjoy working with me. You know, the, all those things are are all part of like real life, right? So um, I don't necessarily want to get caught up in the, oh man, if you, once you get in that, you know, sweet spot, you know, man, it, you know, it's like, just like, uh, um, it's like ice skating across a frozen pond. You know, there's no friction at all. <laughs> all your problems will be magically resolved. Right, right. If you can find your area of destiny, tune in today. <laughs> you still have to do expense reports. Yep. Oh, Necessary man. Evil. Unless your skills, your interests, and your opportunities lie in doing expense reports then you're in hog heaven. And that is a possibility. It's not one I would consider, but hey, there may be somebody out there who would enjoy that. Sure, sure. No shade. Yeah. And once you're there, and let's just say that work stops being work, even though it's really still work, you still have to have some form of work-life balance or maybe we use the uh, Jack and Susie Welch term work-life choice. Maybe maybe you put in 110% or 150% because you really love it and you want to spend more time on it, but you have to remember that when you choose to do something, you choose to not do something else. And are you really willing to give up the personal time or hobby time, recreational time, whatever it is, to work more versus what you could have been doing otherwise. Yeah, yeah. It's that opportunity cost thing that, that we tend to ignore. It's like, man, I really love this. Yeah, but the opportunity cost of, you know, giving up 30 minutes with my kid is uh, is pretty large. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you just got to figure those things out, right? So um, planning for them and making it a positive choice as opposed to a default choice, I think is is the, the thing, right? So it's, I'm making the decision to do this thing. I'm going to work for 30 more minutes that I had not 
really planned on. And that does mean that I'm going to miss, you know, 30 minutes with my kid, but I'm making the positive choice to do that because of the situation at work uh, that I need to handle as opposed to, oh man, I just lost time and, you know, missed out on, you know, 30 minutes with my kid, you know, that just evaporated, right? You want to, you want to make that positive choice rather than the default choice. So how about this? Are we good with that segment? You ready to move to the next one? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about actually finding that intersection. I, I still can't say area of destiny. That, that that's that's weird for me. <laughs> Can you find the intersection of all three circles? How about that? Yeah. So I've, we found another career clickbait article on LinkedIn that someone wrote as a reaction to this idea of area of destiny and they were kind of questioning, can you find it? Is it possible to find your area of destiny? Now, what they ended up saying was, before you can know (laughs) what that's going to be, you have to take some additional items into consideration. And this was actually written more for the, the person who hasn't really been out of school and into the workforce. But I think there's some principles here who could, that could, apply to just about anybody. So they talked about, again, thinking on your life experience. What have you been exposed to? How has that shaped the way you make decisions? How has that shaped your skills? And talking with your network of people, whether it's family, friends, you know, acquaintances that you see in other social circles, but they, this person really did say that you want to treat your discovery period like, discovering what you're very good at, highly skilled at, like a class or a job. Just like we talk about being dedicated to career advancement, be dedicated to figuring out what what am I really good at and give yourself some deadlines. That's something that that I actually liked. You know, if I don't give myself a deadline, am I really going to do this so that I can get better? Maybe not. Some people, <laughs> they can't work without a deadline. They're just not going to make it happen. Yeah, just that time commitment. I think uh, we talked to Joseph Griffiths, and he was like, "Hey, you gotta you gotta put in that hour a day, right? Just make it consistent, you know, hour a day. Well, spend your hour a day, you know, working on this, right? It's kind of a prerequisite before you make a a big change, you know, when you're trying to find what you would be good at." Yeah, I used to work with a guy who he had this idea that. No matter what he did, how busy he got, he was always going to take 15 minutes each day and do what he wanted, whether that was, you know, exercise, write in a journal, learn something new, whatever it was, it was his time to do with what he wanted. And, you know, that's where you can start to do something like this each day. But it really does take that practice and commitment. Something else the article mentioned was actually taking a detox from all things digital walk away from the from the gaming station, put the phone down, turn the TV off, and reconnect with the world. Get outside and just... I think what this is really saying is get rid of some distractions and go out and let yourself think. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. Every time I see digital detox, I automatically think that that's like somebody who is like, you know, these darn kids and their Fortnite, <laughs> but it really is about spending that focused time, right? I think it's a, it's a good idea. 
of uh, if I'm just again, I'm literally like translating these things in my mind to things that make sense. It's like okay, you know, have the time that you spend doing this be distraction free because that's really important to actually getting the thing done. Right, and distraction free mean usually means push notification free. Yeah, I I don't think it's useful to say oh it has to be, um, it has to be pen and paper that you you do this and if you work really well with like you know Notepad <laughs> on a Windows PC and uh, and and taking your notes there or OneNote or Evernote or whatever you know tool that you use that's not important but as long as you don't have like you know Twitter notifications and and email notifications just just make it be distraction free. Yeah. Back to Joseph Griffiths. How often do you just close your email and know exactly what you need to do? So you're not reacting to what's coming in. Yep. Yep. Very good point. Great advice. And then this last one, I think we would agree with wholeheartedly is commit to the journey. It is a journey. I feel like that name shows up somewhere around here, but This author actually encourages people to start thinking in the short term. And since it was written to people who maybe aren't in the workforce yet, that's a little bit easier to do for them, kind of a stepping stone so that they can get to the point where they're thinking about the long term. But I I liked that advice. Yeah, I like that. And um, I think all of these things can be adjusted for, you know, somebody who's you know, actually in the workforce, like it, all, all of these things make sense. Um, you know, sustained time, uh, distraction free, making sure that you connect with your network to, to do it. Um, you know, all, all things that can be, you know, done by everybody out there. Right. Yes, sir. All right, John. So it's, it's crunch time. It's decision time. I want to know, would you say this is clickbait? Would you say this is helpful? And can you actually find your area of destiny, even if you call it something else? Yeah, I, I think this is a useful exercise to go through, um, especially if you've made the decision that you need a change, um, or if you're considering, you know, is this something that I'm, you know, uh, that's really important to me? So uh, I don't think I or. I'll, you know, it might be clickbait, but I think that we've managed to pull something interesting and useful out of it. Um, it's a good exercise to go through, um, especially, you know, after the, uh, you know, should you make a, should you make a change exercise, right? That we did in the first topic. Yes, I need to make a change. Great. Well, here's another exercise to go through to figure out what areas, you know, that are out there that you should be focusing on. And if the, the thing that's missing is opportunity, then it's, uh, you know, then you found great. Well, the thing that you need to focus on is increasing the amount of opportunity you have in that area. I would guess of the three, the, the things you really enjoy will not be the one you struggle with. <laughs> It'll be one of the other two. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Although, you know, some, sometimes that's subtle, right? Um, you know, I, don't know how many times, uh, you know, if there's uh, a drinking game for Nerd Journey, it's how often I mentioned that one of my hobbies was swing dancing. Um, and one of the things I discovered through that hobby is that I like to teach other people and mentor other people. And it's not something that was immediately obvious to me. It, it came out 
through examining that hobby. So um, that became one of the things that I put into my job search and my professional search, right? One of the things that I want is opportunities to mentor other people, uh, formal and informal opportunities. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, one of the ingredients. And so, you know, look to your hobbies for those non-obvious things. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that, yes, this article definitely has some helpful stuff in it. And I think that you can find your area of destiny, you know, whether you want to use that terminology or not. You know, for me, I started off in college majoring in math and doing some math tutoring. And I thought, oh, you know, that was really fun working one-on-one with people, helping them out and eventually became a high school math teacher. And that was an awesome job. Then I jumped into the corporate world and into full-blown IT, help desk, systems administration. But I always carried that education aspect with me. You know, when I was helping an end user, I was educating them about what to do next or how they could do it differently and more efficiently or why this solution might be better. And I think that that same education opportunity is part of the role I'm in now as an SE. You know, when I'm talking with customers, a lot of it really is education. And I, I really like that. That's something I really enjoy, but I hope it's also something I'm good at. I think it is. guess a performance review will really tell that, huh? <laughs> if you ever get one. Yeah, that's right. I feel like I haven't had one in like three years. Uh-oh, that's a red flag. <laughs> This is not a podcast about our managers. Oh, no. <laughs> I get lots of great feedback from my manager. <laughs> it is not me complaining about my manager. We'll see after the, this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think my manager listens. Uh, regardless, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like uh, you had some... Uh, some additional resources maybe that we can give out to people. Yeah. So we have a couple of additional links on further reading on finding your area of destiny and three life questions. And they really do relate to the Venn diagram that we were trying to get you to visualize in your mind. You can see what that looks like and, and go through the methodology of how Susie Welch draws it out. So we'll put those in the show notes so you can go and, and take a look. But I, I would read those. And honestly, if you haven't read The Real Life MBA, it's a really good book. I, I'm not someone who claims to understand business super well, but I think that just reading this really helped me get a better understanding in general. Hmm. Okay. Um, we'll put a link to that book as well. Um, yeah, that's a re- really good... I, I always like book recommendations and... Um, Man, maybe we need like an Amazon affiliate link. Uh, I don't. I don't think we've set that up. No, that we was, haven't. Monetization was not in our plan. <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of times John has a book recommendation for most situations. So this is this was my turn to provide a book recommendation. I'm just trying to follow suit. Yeah, um, I actually do have one recommendation here, and that is if you actually need some help, like navigating this stuff, um, just you know. Uh, reach out to me at uh, vjourneyman on Twitter, and I can hook you up with the Nick Cordy School of Mentorship. I have some pricing and packaging already set up, so we can just uh, get you some of Nick's time, and he can help you out with that. 
Well, that school is okay, but it's not as good as a John White School of Mentoringship. Ah, I said it wrong. <laughs> Can't believe he beat me to my own joke. Uh, it's okay. But really, you'd, I think you'd prefer to talk to John over me. <laughs> because that way I get the money instead of him. Oh, Jesus. I know that works. He gets the time commitment. Pricing and packaging <laughs> to come. Awesome. Well, Nick, I think that's all that we had for that segment. And as a result, all the topics that we had planned. Anything else pop in your mind? No, sir. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Uh, tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at B Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore signing off. Make that change. I'm your host, John White, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy. Ah, geez, I messed that up, didn't I? <laughs> you know what happened is like I like pressed record and then my OneNote like resized inside the. That was me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to size it so I could see it better. I didn't know that it would mess you up. <laughs> Oops. We can keep it more narrow. I just won't mess with it anymore. <laughs> Especially right before you're about to talk. What is, what's happening? <laughs> if you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Pod. <laughs> what happened? I don't know. I just started laughing. <laughs> okay. uh, I get a mulligan too. <laughs> you can take it from uh, if you're enjoying our content. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. Do you have a Do you have a nitrous leak? Is what's going on? <laughs> I'm not sure. I just got tickled. <clears throat> okay. Here we go. If you're enjoying our content, <laughs> if you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Wait, no, Podcasts. No, 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 you can't do that. Yeah. Why? You have to count yourself in, so there's like a there's like a blank space. There's like a clear edit point. <laughs> I was doing so well. <laughs> I'm cool. I'm cool. I can be cool. You know what's weird is like. Uh, after you resized our notes, like I couldn't remember my Twitter handle. I was like, <laughs> I'm John White. Oh, what's my Twitter handle?